So if you've been here, or you were here in January of this past year, you may remember it was the second weekend of January. As I preached the vision for the year 2021, the theme that the Lord put in my heart that I shared with you that day is, it is by faith. And they're reciting Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which I asked our congregation if they would consider to memorize chapter 12, 1 and 2. Okay, pop quiz. How many of you have memorized Hebrews 12, 1 and 2? Awesome. Okay. All right. Those of you that haven't, you still have a few weeks left. It's good. No, appreciate those of you who have done that. So as we wrap up the next four weeks of this year, and it's so hard to believe that we are already in December and the year is coming to a close, I thought I would revisit and we're going to bookend this year and we're going to talk about, um, again, what it means to have faith, to be a community of faith and to live by faith. And so during that sermon earlier in the year, the Bible gives us a definition of what faith is in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 the writer of Hebrews says now faith is here comes the definition the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen well then we have to ask ourselves that question what are those things if faith is an assurance of things and a conviction of things not seen we have to define and understand to know what faith is What things is the writer talking about? Oftentimes, as we discussed, when we hear of faith, we think about things that we hope for. We think about things that we wish for or we pray for. And they're really talking about outcomes. Lord, here's the circumstance that I have. And I have faith that the outcome will be this. And we talked way back when that faith is not just wishful thinking. It's not just having hope in an outcome, but that thing is really centered on a person. And that Hebrew word, if you may remember, is pistis. And faith, if you look at a definition, is not just, um, not just an acceptance or belief or trust, but it is allegiance and loyalty. So it is by faith, it is by allegiance, it is by loyalty to what things, or rather to who? And faith is about a person. And so we can understand that genuine faith must be centered in Jesus. Genuine faith must be centered in a person, not our desired outcomes. And just to remind you, and for those of you who have memorized that you can say it with me, here it is, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, our verse for ACAC for 2021. Therefore, since we say it with me, are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, I know some of you memorize other versions and that's okay, but whatever version you use, but that's it. That's faith. We're talking about allegiance and loyalty to a king, King Jesus and to a kingdom. That's what faith is. And the verse we just read and we've been memorizing says that we're surrounded that we're surrounded by witnesses. We're surrounded by people of faith. And really what this is about is we have plenty of examples. The, The Lord has given us a Bible, scripture that is filled with men and women of faith. These are examples and we have through the years and centuries have had 
examples of men, men and women of faith. And the one we're going to look at over the next three weeks is found in the Christmas story. And that is Joseph. And so over the next three weeks, beginning today, we are going to look at the faith, the allegiance, if you will, the loyalty to Jesus that Joseph showed. Today's text is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Over the next three weeks, you can look and just read that first part of Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at 18 through 24. And so today we're going to talk about how by faith, Joseph was righteous and kind. That being people of faith will lead us to being righteous and kind. Next week, we're going to talk about by faith, Joseph was courageous. And then three weeks from now, or two weeks from now rather, by faith, Joseph was obedient. So here's what I would like us to do for the text today. I love doing this occasionally. And stand back up, if you will. And we're going to read God's word together. I love the sound of God's people just proclaiming the word of God. And so here it is. We're going to read two verses, Matthew 1, chapter 18 and 19. They're going to put it up on the screen for us. Here we go. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Just remain standing, if you will, for a moment. Here is what we need to recognize today from this text, and it's this. Righteousness and kindness are the pursuits of those who live by faith. So if we are a community of faith and we are faith people and say, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ, what that means is that you and I and our faith community will pursue righteousness and we will pursue kindness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, which is truth. And I thank you that these are not just Christmas stories, though we have probably all heard them from the time we were young. So I pray that not just today and this weekend, but through this season, as we dive into the Christmas story and we hear of characters, Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus, that they would not just be characters, that we understand they are real people and your truth is there that we need to learn and understand. So Lord, open our eyes and our ears. Use this vessel to bring forth your word to your people. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there's a lot that is not told to us about Joseph in Scripture. There's not many stories about Joseph. It doesn't give us a whole lot of background. Most of what we find in the Bible about Jesus' adoptive father, Joseph, is found in this text that we're going to look at for the next few weeks, and that's Matthew chapter 1. But however, Joseph was a man of great faith, and he is a person that we should look at, even though there are few verses, we should look at and pray and model, Lord, give me the faith that Joseph had. Think of it this way. Of all the men in the world at the time Jesus was going to be born, Joseph was the one that God chose to be Jesus's adopted father. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, imagine the responsibility, the Lord coming to you and dreaming, you are going to be the one that is Jesus's adoptive father, the one who would raise and teach Jesus in his formative years. 
He would be the earthly, fatherly influence over the Son of God. Remember, Jesus was fully man and fully God. So it wasn't like at eight years old, Jesus just was, you know, didn't need fatherly and motherly influence. There was those dynamics. Though he was God, he was fully man. So Joseph would have spoken into his life. So looking at the verse together, the first verse that we read of the two, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, Matthew says. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now this is a verse you're probably very familiar with and you've heard. Becky, if you would go back with me one, there's a highlighted word, betrothed. And for us to really understand the context and the faith of Joseph as far as righteousness and kindness, we understand what, we need to understand what betrothed means as a first century Jewish person. So betrothal in a Jewish culture during the time of Jesus was significantly different than our modern understanding of the word engaged. Some of your Bibles may say that Joseph or Mary was, they were engaged, which is true in our language, but betrothal means something completely different. And understand, especially for some of you who are younger, as I talk about the context, you're going to listen to this and it's going to sound extremely old. It's going to sound archaic. It's going to sound very antiquated and like, I can't believe people live like that. But we have to understand because it brings meaning to knowing the faith of Joseph. So there were two stages of betrothal in Jewish culture. The first was informal in nature. And really we're talking about arranged marriages. Two families would come together in selecting the future spouse of their children. How many are thankful we don't have arranged marriages today? All the young people single said amen. But typically this happened around 12 or 13 years old. Okay, so families would come together and it was informal. However, the wedding, the marriage wouldn't take place until they were around the age of 15 and sometimes even up to the age of 18. That's stage one. The second stage of betrothal, betrothal was a little more formal. And there were formal arrangements that were finalized as these children became age, which would have been again, 15, 16, 17, even up to 18 years old. The man and the woman would enter into a contractual agreement that gave the man legal rights over the woman. Don't argue with me, that's just how it is, was back then, okay? But it was a contractual agreement. So we need to understand this is, it's really important to understand this, the faith of Joseph and how he responds and why it was so critical. And this prenuptial contract was taken place in the presence of witnesses. And it served as a testing period for when the couple would prepare for the formal wedding ceremony. So even though this was a betrothal period, it was a legal contract, if you would, that was signed in front of witnesses. We're getting married. And this betrothal season would last about one year. And during this season, we even saw in the text, I'm not sure if you caught it, even though they were engaged or betrothed, they would refer to one another as husband and wife. Did you notice in verse 19, they referred to Joseph as husband, even though they were betrothed. So do you see the significant difference? This wasn't a 21st century Western American engagement. <laughs> okay, this was a serious prenuptial contract between two families. And during this betrothal period, the woman would live at her parents' house 
and no sexual relations would happen between the partners because it was seen as adultery with the penalty potentially even being death. I mean, imagine that. You want to talk about premarital sex and the penalty for that. In that culture, in that society, it was taken that seriously. And so while the couple did not live together and while they were not intimate together, this was so formal, the betrothal, the second stage was so formal, it was so binding that to break it would require a certificate of divorce. And so for pretty much, for all intents and purposes, the couples weren't living together, they weren't intimate together, but for all intents and purposes, they were married. Therefore, infidelity, as Joseph originally thought had happened, made divorce essentially necessary in obedience to Mosaic law. Do you catch the significance of that? So if someone during this betrothed, see again, this is first century Jewish culture. If a a man and woman were betrothed and adultery was to take place, it was a breaking of a contract and a divorce was all but certain and needed to happen in the fulfillment of Mosaic law. So Joseph and Mary were in a Jewish law binding contract agreement. And while they were not living together again, being intimate, he was her husband and she was his wife. And for Mary to have become pregnant was not only disgraceful and looked down upon in society and culture, but it also went against the law of God. Not only would Mary have been shamed, she would have been canceled, to use our terms. And she potentially would have been put to death. But in the midst of that backdrop, God knew the man he had selected to be the husband to Mary in the midst of that and to be the adopted father of Jesus Christ. Then here's verse 19. And here it is, her husband, Joseph. The Bible says Joseph was a just man. Some of your translations will say he was a righteous man, just and righteous. And he was unwilling to put her to shame and resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a just man. Joseph was a righteous man. Matthew says Joseph was a faithful man to the law of God. Now to be just or to be righteous means that you not only want to do the right thing, you actually do the right thing. That you obey God's word. You're obedient to him and his laws. And Joseph, remember, he had yet to discover, these verses that we heard, he had yet to discover that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In a little bit, we're gonna find out that the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and tells him what's going on. But before that, he had no idea. Therefore, to Joseph, the only logical explanation was that Mary had been unfaithful. And therefore, Joseph's only option was to divorce her because this is what Jewish customs would have required. Joseph would have thought that Mary was immoral and he was going to do the right thing in severing that relationship and divorcing Mary. Joseph was a righteous man. He was a just man. He was a godly man and he had righteous standards. Joseph was going to do the right thing because he was a man of faith. He was a man loyal and allegiant to God's word. And the point is, 
that as Joseph's faith led him to be just and righteous, so too, if we are a community of faith, if we are gonna say it is by faith, and we are going to be allegiant and loyal to Jesus, we must uphold godly standards. God's word must never be compromised, no matter how much pressure or no matter how opposite it looks in the culture and the world around us. We must be just and righteous people who live according to the word of God. You see, to live by faith means to live in accordance and in allegiance to God's standards. And his ways and his standards are given to us through the word of God. Joseph demonstrated this in that moment, even though he did not know yet that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So too, we must be people of faith, people of righteousness. Here's the second part of verse 19, though. It says that, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man, he wasn't just just and righteous. He was also unwilling to put her to shame. Leave it there for a second. Joseph was also kind. There's a kindness element, unwilling to put her to shame, having compassion in his heart. And he resolved to divorce her quickly. When Joseph learned of Mary's pregnancy, Joseph had two options according to Mosaic law to consider. When you were in that betrothed, that prenuptial contract, that agreement that was so serious, and if, you're, if the woman was to become pregnant, the man had two options. Or if the man was to be unfaithful and they found out about it, the woman had two options. One is according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23. The other is according to Numbers chapter 5, verse 11 through 30. The first option that Joseph would have had was to do a public trial and to shame her publicly in front of the community. He could have divorced her in a public manner and even asked and challenged, according to God's word and Mosaic law at that time, for her to be stoned. He had an option to divorce her publicly and to shame her. The second option found in Numbers chapter five is that he could divorce her quietly before only two witnesses. But because he was a righteous man, Divorcing was the only option, but Joseph, his faith also led him to be a compassionate man. And he decided that he would not put Mary through option one. He would not put her through a public scandal and shame, and even to the point of her being killed by stoning. Instead, he decided to show kindness, to do the right thing by divorcing her, but to do it in secretly is what the Bible says. Remember in John chapter eight, Joseph didn't act like the scribes and Pharisees when they found the adulterous woman in the midst of an affair. What did they do? They dragged her out publicly, which was the right by law. Okay, they were doing the right thing according to Mosaic law. But Joseph would have had the opportunity to do that, but he didn't act like them. No, he didn't want to shame her publicly. He decided to handle it privately, to show compassion, to show kindness. And this says a ton about Joseph's faith. He was indeed a righteous man wanting to do the right thing, but he also cared for Mary. He had compassion for Mary, and he was not going to put her out on the streets for public disgrace. You see, here's the thing that's so important. A faith that leads you to do the right thing the wrong way is not faith. How many understand that you can do the right thing, but you can do it with the wrong heart and the wrong spirit? 
and you can do the right thing the wrong way. And that's not faith. Joseph had a balance of holiness and love. He had a balance of righteousness and kindness. He had a balance of truth and he had a balance of grace. Remember, I was thinking about this this week. This was the man God selected to be the adoptive father of Jesus. And think of it now. This would be the man that would be the earthly heavenly, the earthly fatherly voice to Jesus in his formative years. Even in John chapter one, when he writes of Jesus coming to earth, John says, and the word of God became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the one and only son from the father. And Jesus came full of what? Full of grace and truth. Can you imagine the moments? I wonder if there were times when Jesus was a teenager and explaining his birth to him where Joseph would have explained, I wanted to do the right thing, Jesus. I needed to do the right thing because I needed to be a man of faith and righteousness, but I showed compassion, righteousness and compassion. You see, Joseph was being like Jesus, showing grace and truth, and Jesus we see being like Joseph, displaying grace and truth. Joseph kept the balance of doing both the right thing and yet at the same time showing love and grace towards people. He was both righteous and kind. You know, most of us, if you ask yourself this question, are you a truth person or are you a grace person? Most of us are either predominantly truth people, people who lean towards holding righteous standards and tend to think of things as black and white. But there are others who are, I would call, grace people, compassion people, having compassion and understanding, and maybe live more in the gray. It is far easier and far more common to either uphold your standards and not show compassion for people, or to go the other way and to have compassion and great care for people, but to let your standards fall by the wayside. However, Remember that both righteousness and kindness are the pursuits of those who live by faith. We need to learn to uphold godly standards, but to do it with a broken heart instead of a righteous, self-righteous attitude. Otherwise, we're just like those scribes and Pharisees in John 8 that are dragging the woman and are holding righteousness but not showing kindness. Each of us have our own leanings. We have our own temptations in this area and we need to recognize what they are. So let me ask you today, do you lean towards upholding godly standards or do you think more black and white? Are you the type of person that thinks in, in standards and has a harder time showing grace and compassion? Well, let me just say to you, watch out for the temptation to be so critical of others. Watch out in those moments when you have the opportunity, as Joseph did, option one or option two, to shame publicly or to handle discreetly. That we are people of faith who, yes, hold standards, but we also show grace and we don't shame. Be on the lookout for self-righteous and cold-hearted thoughts and actions and attitudes, not just in addressing, but in the things we say and the things we post. And let me ask you, for you that lean more towards compassion and caring for people. Watch out that your compassion and grace 
does not take you to compromise your love for God, which is evidenced by obedience to his word. Do you see the difference? It's righteousness and kindness. It's grace and truth. And both of those should be the pursuits of those who live by faith. And I think you know and understand that it's incredibly difficult to do individually, and it's really hard for us to do as a church. We as a church must never compromise. And again, as I said earlier, no matter how hard it is, no matter the pressure from the outside, no matter what our culture says is acceptable, we must be people of the book. And we can never lower God's standard and his righteous standard. But in doing so, we must never cross that line to be where we lose our compassion and we lose our kindness and we take to shaming, we take to canceling, we take to criticizing to where those who maybe don't believe what we do or have a sinful past where we, when they walk into the church, we grab them and we hug them and we love them like Jesus did at the woman at the well. And then we show them the truth of God. It's kindness and righteousness. We must pursue both. Let me close with this book from the, or this verse from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21, challenge us is in this very point. He says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. So as people of faith, if we're pursuing the abundant life, if we're pursuing righteousness ourselves and we're pursuing honor, the wisest one who wrote Proverbs says we need to pursue righteousness and we need to pursue kindness. Heavenly Father, as usual, this is not easy for us at times. We are people who tend to look one way or the other and we need a balance of both. You came in grace and truth. And Joseph was a man of faith who wanted to do the right thing in obedience to your word because he was a righteous and just man. But yet he also demonstrated kindness to Mary. And so may we, as we desire to grow in faith, to be allegiant and loyal to your kingdom, that your kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness but it is also a kingdom of kindness. Let it be so in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.